is full of interruptions. Whether big or small, we've all experienced disruptions to our rhythm of life from time to time. It might be difficult to see at first, but what if those interruptions set our lives on a new path? A new way of living, a new way of loving and leading. No matter what circumstances you face, God uses life's interruptions to bring about unexpected purpose and blessings. A life interrupted should be a life embraced, not escaped. What the world sees as defeat, we see as opportunity. For God makes all things work together for the good of those who love Him. Welcome, Sugar Creek family. Thank you so much for joining us today for our worship service. This past Thursday night, we bid a temporary farewell to a great pastor, to a great man of God by the name of Fenton Moorhead. You know Pastor Fenton, he was the lead pastor here at Sugar Creek from 1989 to 2001. And this very auditorium here at the Sugarland campus that I'm standing in was built under his amazing leadership. Pastor's, Pastor Fenton's pastorate gave vision and birth to great life-giving, life-changing organizations like Living Water International and Second Mile Mission Center and many others. Out of Fenton's missionary heart, so many churches around the country were planted and so many ministries were initiated like Urban Camp that still thrives today 30 years later. The list of his impact just goes on and on. And today I know there are many here at Sugar Creek who are grieving because Pastor Fenton was your pastor at one point. And uh, we admire good preachers, but we deeply love our pastors. And today there's a lot of people that are grieving. It was amazing that last September, 10 months ago, God ordained it that Pastor Fenton, along with his wife of 60 years, Miss Mary, could move down to the Sugarland Richmond area and be with family and some of their dearest friends. And how amazing that we got to spend the last 10 months with them. And today, on behalf of Pastor Mark and our leadership here at Sugar Creek, we express our deepest condolences, our love and our support to each of you who are grieving and especially to Miss Mary and to the Moorhead family. Pastor Fenton's memorial service will be right here at the Sugarland campus this Wednesday at 2 p.m. Interestingly enough, we had actually scheduled for Pastor Fenton to speak this month at the end of July. But today he is standing face to face with the one that he would have been preaching about. Would you join me in just a short word of prayer as we thank God for Pastor Fenton's life, his legacy, his ministry, and we pray for the Moorhead family. Father, we thank you so much for an amazing life that was well lived to the fullest, with a heart for the lost, a heart to start incredible organizations and lead an amazing church and several churches throughout his life, so many who will be in heaven, who have already received him with a warm welcome. God, may his life, his testimony, his story inspire each and every one of us. God, to make our life count for the gospel, to live our life to the fullest. And today we pray for Miss Mary, for all of Pastor Fenton's children, grandchildren, even great-grandchildren. We pray for his friends that are here in town and all those who are all around the world. God, may you comfort our heart today, knowing that our loss was his gain. He is with the Lord himself in heaven. And we pray for this season, God, for his family and loved ones, bring comfort and strength to them. May his story continue 
to leave a mark in our life, in our world. May his impact inspire us towards gospel living, evangelism, and the heart of mission everywhere. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for doing that for a few moments today. We are in week two of our new sermon series, which we began last week, called Life Interrupted. It's incredibly so interesting to me that you and I have actually secured our lives in order to prevent interruption. I'm imagining that wherever you live, most likely there is a no solicitation sign hanging up somewhere in your neighborhood. Most likely you have a lockable door to your house, to your room, and even to your office. And it's important that you do have that because there are moments where you don't want to be interrupted. Otherwise, something like this could take place. So check out this video real quick. Scandals happen all the time. The question is how do democracies respond to those scandals? Uh, and what will it mean for, uh, for the wider region? I think one of your children has just walked in. I mean, shift it, shifting... Shifting sands in the region, do you think relations with the north may change? Um, I would be surprised if they do. The, um, pardon me. Pardon me. My apologies. What is this going to be for the region? My apologies. North, uh, sorry. Um, North Korea, North, uh, South Korea's policy choices on North Korea have been severely limited in the last six months to a year. Because <laughs> now, you probably have seen that video at some point. It's gone viral, and that family is actually pretty famous right now because of that interruption. Here are two more pictures that might give you some angst about your plans and your timing being interrupted. Here's a picture of a road closure sign. I actually saw this last night driving through 288. An hour and a half spent because the traffic was blocked and the highway was closed. And I had to say to myself, embrace the interruption, embrace the interruption, preach to your Yourself. Or maybe you see this on your GPS from time to time, this massive red line letting you know that you're going to be late, that your plans have changed. Yes, those things definitely bring a sense of angst to our heart because it changes our plans. Early this year, before all this started going down, we were planning an incredible trip to Disney World for our daughter Avery. And when I say we, I really mean my wife Stacy because she is the amazing planner in our home. But of course, needless to say, our plan to Disney World got canceled. And I had to tell Avery, honey, I'm so sorry, but Mickey Mouse, Minnie, all of their friends are sick with the coronavirus and we got to wait till they get better. And four months later, I kid you not, she's still praying for their quick recovery. I need you to pray that she doesn't lose faith in praying for them. Of course, there's a lot of things that has caused interruption in our life today. And last week we said that, look, our plans will change. But in the changing of our plans and the interrupting of our lives, we actually don't need to push back against it or try to escape it. We can actually embrace the interruption of our life. Why? Because if we believe that God is in control, even if our plans fail, God's purpose prevails. When our plans fail, God's purpose prevails. Today, I want to deal with this tendency that all of us have. You said this statement, I have too, and we've said it multiple times. I can't wait for things to be 
normal again. You know exactly what I was going to say. We can't wait for things to be normal again. And we have this desire in our heart to get back to some sense of normalcy. If you're having to homeschool your kids, maybe for the first time because of COVID, you can't wait for things to be normal again. I'm telling you, there are days, Stacey and I are in this with you. We're thinking, hey, we'll just take the risk of COVID just to get sanity back in our home. Let's just send our kids to school. Of course, we want to get back to normal. In fact, if you're watching this live, go ahead and put in the chat box, what do you miss the most about the BC days, the before Corona days? Write it down on YouTube, on Facebook, on Church Online. Let's just have a venting session. I mean, there is a book called Lamentations, right? Let's just talk about what we miss about the BC before Corona days. It's normal to miss the normal. And in fact, in times of uncertainty, we reach back to what's normal because normal is familiar. And there's a sense of comfort when we're back to familiarity. Normal is predictable and normal is controllable. Normal is familiar, predictable and controllable. So we reach back to normal. Now let me tell you, there are so many amazing things that I can't wait to get back to. I can't wait to be in person worshiping together in church. I can't wait to hear your singing, your worship to the Lord. I can't wait to sit at a coffee shop, drink some overpriced coffee, but be less than six feet away and have a conversation with a friend. I, I can't wait to see cars circling the parking lot here at the Sugarland campus looking for a parking spot because it's so full. I can't wait to be back at the Missouri City campus hanging out at the coffee bar, eating some of Miss Winnie's incredible muffins. I can't wait for just a month and a half from now for us to launch the Richmond Rosenberg campus. We want to see those things. We can't wait to get back to the amazing things. And I believe we will get back to some of those things very soon. But here's a thought that's been stirring in my heart this week, in the last couple of weeks. When our life is interrupted, yes, we desire to go back to normal. And that's okay. But what if God is actually not calling us back to an old normal? What if he's calling us forward to a better normal? What if normal that we want isn't back there somewhere that we're trying to get back to? What if there is not a new normal but a better normal? I'm not talking about a worse than normal. I'm talking about a better than normal that's in front of us. And maybe this whole pandemic is leading us, moving us, pushing us forward into not an old or a new normal but to a better normal. Something better than what we have been used to. See, the direction of our faith always moves us forward, not backwards. Our faith takes a leap forward. It pushes us forward to better things, newer things, not backwards. We, you know this verse in Hebrews 11, verse 1. Hebrews 11, verse 1 defines faith like this. Now faith is a confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Confidence in what we hope for, assurance about what we don't see. All of that language that the writer of Hebrews is writing there, it leans us forward to have something, to hope for something, to see something we have yet to see. Faith leads us to a place that's not familiar. And you know that to be true. Faith will lead you to a place that's not controllable. It's not comfortable. And it may not be predictable, but faith leads you forward. Here's what's funny about the old normal. See, I think the greatest danger right now is to settle back into an old normal when God is calling us forward to a better normal. But in the old normal, 
Sometimes we prefer the old normal that we didn't even like. Because at least the old normal was the known normal. Sometimes we prefer the old normal that we didn't even like because at least it was a known normal. Here's what I'm saying. Sometimes we pray for God to get us back to the things that we have been praying for years to get, him, get us out of. Uh, you hated that job a few months ago and you prayed for God to give you a way out and now you have a way out and now you're just praying for a job even if you hate it. That relationship that you have been in was hurtful, even abusive, and you couldn't wait to get out of it. But in times of uncertainty, you might be willing to tolerate something that was unhealthy for the sake of certainty. Yes, it was bad for me. It wasn't God's best for me, but at least it was familiar. I knew how to cope with it. And sometimes we go back to an old normal just because it's a known normal. It's a familiar Normal. And here's what I'm saying to you. There might be things about the old normal that we are meant to leave behind permanently. That God is saying, leave this behind permanently. In the passage that we're going to be looking at today, we're in the story of the Israelites as they have come to an unprecedented danger at the Red Sea. God has already raised up Moses to be the deliverer. And he has performed miracle after miracle, the 10 plagues. And now they're on their exodus out of Egypt. They are finally free from 430 some years of oppression and slavery. They are free from Pharaoh, their abuser, from the Egyptians, their slave master. But now they've come to the Red Sea. This is an unprecedented moment. It's uncertain. They don't know what to do. There's no manual for how to cross the Red Sea. There's no context, no reference point that they can use in order to get to the other side. Here they are in the face of the Red Sea, but looking behind, they see Pharaoh and the Egyptians pursuing them hastily. They're coming after them. So notice their response in Exodus chapter 14, verse 10 to 12. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Wow. What incredible words. They've been praying for God to deliver them out of 400 plus years of slavery. And he did. But now they're in a moment of uncertainty. And here is a moment that requires great faith to move them forward. You got a better normal. You've got a promised land, a promised future ahead of you. Have faith in this moment. But they didn't. In fact, they should have had faith because just a few verses prior to this scene, God had already told them everything that would happen. Notice in verse 4 what God said to the Israelites, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, which he did, and he will pursue them, which he did. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. They heard God say this and they said, okay, sounds great. But when they saw the Egyptians and they saw Pharaoh, rather than remembering the promises of God, they could only remember the power of Pharaoh. And here, when they're in an unprecedented moment of uncertainty and danger, they have convinced themselves that it's better to go back to an oppressive normal 
than to trust God for their promised future. Why? What is it that kept them going back? It's one thing, it's fear. Fear. Fear convinced them to go back to an oppressive normal. See, fear blinds us to what could be. And fear binds us to what has been. Fear blinds us to the potential, to the better, to the new, to what's ahead of us. And it binds us to what has been. Verse 10 of chapter 14. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They were full of fear, terrified and cried out to the Lord. Here are three things that I think fear causes us to do in times of uncertainty. Three things, three responses we have out of fear. First of all, out of fear, we assume the worst. Out of fear, we assume the worst. Look at verse 11. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? They had already convinced themselves, this is it. This is our grave. We're done. We're dead. And interestingly enough, the Egyptians had no interest in killing them. That would do them no good. They wanted to take them back alive. But here the Israelites have already convinced themselves God's not going to deliver us. There's no miracle. There's no way we can cross this Red Sea. It's the worst. It's over. And we do that as well, don't we? Out of fear, we're so quick to convince ourselves that we'll always be stuck in the condition we're in. There is no better tomorrow. Out of fear, we believe that our failure is final. We're going to die in this dilemma. We're going to be defined by our weaknesses only. Out of fear, we might convince ourselves, you know what, we'll never get to the other side of COVID. Things will never be okay again. And instead of believing for the best, believing for a miracle, we assume the worst and we settle in to an old oppressive normal. Second of all, out of fear, we criticize and place blame. Out of fear, we criticize and place blame. Verse 11 onwards, they said to Moses, Moses, the deliverer, Moses, the hero, the Moses who God raised up. This is what they're saying to him. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us, Moses, by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. Moses, who was a hero in a split moment, now is the villain, the deliverer, is now the one to blame. And the Israelites who had been crying out to God for 400 years to get them out of Egypt are blaming, questioning, criticizing anyone they could find. It's easy in this season to blame your spouse, to blame your kids, to blame your parents, to find something to criticize, to blame a person, a party, a leader, an organization. But I want to encourage you, yes, we need to call wrong when it's wrong. But we need to also seek to understand and have faith and be slow to speak, slow to criticize. Slow to look to your family or spouse and say, this is all your fault. But quick to understand and empathize. Third of all, out of fear, we settle for less because it's familiar. We settle for less because it's familiar. Verse 12, the latter part of verse 12 says it like this. It would have been better, says the Israelites, for us to serve the Egyptians rather than to die in the desert. It seems like they've got selective memory of the last 400 years. They have forgotten that they had to make bricks without straw. And now they're saying, this is better for us to go back to slavery to an old normal because at least we knew how to cope with the old normal. They wanted the promised land, but all they knew was Egypt. They couldn't see beyond Egypt to a better normal that God had called them to. Let me ask you, what is fear keeping you from right now? What out of fear are you 
tethered to. The God is saying, I need you to release this. What about the old normal wasn't God's best for you? But because it was familiar, because you knew how to handle it, you're saying, if I could just get back even to an unhealthy place, but it's familiar, I'll be better than where I am now. Look, I know that you and I are both excited for sports to start and for our kids' activities to resume. But what if there are parts in us that idolized even sports? What if our kids' activities were given more priority than gathering with believers? Maybe you want to get back to that office and get back to that job. But what if that job was enslaving you? And you were addicted to a rhythm of life that God has put a pause on. And the goal isn't to get back to something that was oppressive and enslaving you. But to break that cycle. Maybe you had an identity built on traveling, vacationing, spending money when you didn't need to. On social functions. That's what gave you worth and value. And that's what built your high self-esteem. And God is saying, maybe this pause is to hit the reset button. It's not an old normal you need to go back to. While God is calling you to a better, a freer normal ahead of you. Has familiarity with the past kept you from a better normal, a new, better normal God's calling you to? I believe we're going into a better normal. Write that in the chat box, a better normal. I don't want normal. As we knew it, I want something better, something greater. I want to be pushed, leaping forward to the purposes and the plans of God. So let's talk about this better normal. Here's what Moses says when the Israelites are wanting to go back to Egypt. Verse 13, here's the response of Moses. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. As the people are complaining, Moses is saying to them, we can't go back to Egypt. We can't go back to what we have been familiar with. You can't go back to an oppressive world even if that's all you've known. We got to go forward. There's a promise ahead of us. There is a better normal. God is inviting us to come with me. Here is what you got to do in order to trust God and move forward. So how do the words of Moses here in crossing the Red Sea to a better promised normal apply to us today? There's three things I want you to jot down. A better normal will require our faith in God to rise above the fear in us. A better normal, a promised normal, the new future, a better future that God is calling you to will require your faith in God to rise above the fear in you. Your faith in God has to rise above the fear in us. Verse 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The first instruction of Moses was not a battle plan, was not a strategy of how to defeat the enemy. His first instruction was to diminish the fear in them and to build up their trust in God, to diminish fear. Let me tell you, if we just began there as people, if we just began there as a nation, to diminish the fear in us and increase our trust and faith in God. We'll be well on our way to better normal. But you don't diminish fear by denying reality. No, the Egyptians were still coming. They could see them. Fear is not diminished by denying reality. Fear is diminished by taking the focus off of the enemy and putting it back on God. That's how fear is diminished. Not by de denying reality, but taking the focus off of the enemy 
and putting it back on God. Moses says to them, do not fear. Why? Because the Lord will deliver you today. He will deliver you today. 2 Timothy 1 said, 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. Fear will be there and it will always be there. But God has given you power, love, sound mind that lifts up, elevates your faith in God above the fear in you. Yes, COVID-19 is a real thing. Yes, there's a lot of things that are wrong in the world. But our faith is not anchored in current day news. Our faith is not anchored in what we see. Our faith is anchored in an unseen God of the universe. We live by faith, not by sight, which means we don't react to what we see. We respond to what God is saying. I want you to write that down. We don't react to what we see. We respond to what God is saying. So we can stand firm in a changing and a volatile world. Why? Because the pressure to do the impossible is not on us, but it's on God. It's not on us to do the impossible. It's not on us to chart an uncharted territory and move, move forward. It's on God. So Moses says, the Lord will deliver you today. So this is what I want you to do for a moment. I want you to take your eyes off of what has been ahead of you that you don't know about. That you're afraid of. Something in front of you that you do not know. Take your eyes off of that and put it beside you to the one you do know. There's a lot of things about ahead of you, what's ahead of you that you don't know. But there is someone with you that you do know. He is the great I am. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He walks with you. He is your deliverer. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the one who moves mountains. He is the one who rescues and delivers you. So take your eyes off of what you don't know and put it on the one who is with you that you do know. And let faith in him rise above the fear in you. Second of all, a better normal will require leaving behind what was familiar but also harmful. It will require leaving behind what was familiar, but also harmful. In verse 13, Moses says, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Of course, that statement is an assurance that God was going to take the Egyptians out of the sight of the Israelites. But it was also a call for the Israelites to take their eyes off of the Egyptians. Don't look back anymore at Egypt. Don't see, don't look at, don't put your eyes, your gaze on the Egyptians anymore. Don't look back at the old normal. Let that soul tie be disconnected, cut off from the past. Notice what God said in Isaiah 43, verse 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. And it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The same God that created a dry path in the midst of the Red Sea is the same God who creates streams in the wasteland. And God is saying to his people in the midst of captivity, don't dwell on the past. Forget Get the past. Don't let the memories of the past keep you from a better future. I'm calling you forward. I'm calling you to something better, something more freer and new and a better normal. So what's holding you back? What is the thing that's familiar but it's also a toxic, familiar but hurtful that God is saying forget that. 
Let's move forward. I love how the writer of Hebrews puts it in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. He says this, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The writer of Hebrews is saying there are two things that will keep you, hinder you from the race that is ahead of you. Two things that will keep a person from the better normal that God is calling them to. First of all, sin that ensnares us and weights that hinder us. Sins that ensnare and weights that hinders. Of course, we know what the sins are. The Bible talks about clearly what these sins are that we need to lay aside to push against. What we may not know is the weights because those could be morally neutral things. What's a weight for me may not be a weight for you. But are things that, are weird, that we're picking up in our journey of life, extra baggage, extra weight, excess that keeps you from the race that you are to run. How do you know what's a weight? Well, what's not sinful but not helpful? What are things in your life right now that may not be categorically sinful but they're not helpful. They're limiting your freedom. They're slowing you down. Maybe some people in your life that are just constantly speaking negativity into your life. Maybe some habits, some old affections, some soul ties, some passions that are not of God. That are slowing you down. That's the weight that you're carrying. And God is saying, forget the weight. Lay it aside. I got a race for you, marked out for you, set for you. I got a plan. I got a, I got a vision for your life, a better normal. But in order to get there, you got to lay aside the sin that ensnares you and the weight that hinders you. Lastly, a better normal will require us to be still and move only at the pace of God's grace. A better normal requires us to be still and move only at the pace of God's grace. Notice verse 14. Moses says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Interestingly enough, that little phrase is Moses saying, you only need to be quiet. Only need to be silent. I kind of found that humorous. Because here the Israelites are murmuring. They're, they're complaining. They're criticizing. They're blaming. And Moses is saying, could you just be quiet for a moment? Could you just be silent? Could you just be still and watch the Lord work for you? Maybe in this season of interruption, you've been so restless. You've been taking matters into your own hands. You've been trying to speed up everything around you and you're planning, you're canceling plans, you're replanning and your heart has been pacing and running and racing. The Lord is just inviting you today. Could you be still and trust me to fight your battle? Would you be quiet inside? See, God works when we rest and when we trust. God works some of his greatest works are when we take our feet off the pedal, our hands off the steering wheel, and we just trust in God. We rest in God. Look, maybe the most spiritual thing you can do today after hearing this sermon is eat a good lunch, say a prayer, and take a nap. That might do you some good. Be still. Before the Lord, Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. It doesn't say be still and feel that I'm God because there are moments that our feelings are causing us to run, not at the pace of God's grace, but our own pace. But the psalmist is saying, be still and know that I'm God. Stillness is our response when we acknowledge who really is God. 
That's what stillness is. It's when we acknowledge I'm not in charge. God is on the throne. I can rest. I can trust his plan because I acknowledge that he is on the throne of my life. Psalm 62 verse 5, let all that I am wait quietly before God. For my hope is in not the economy. Not the curve of COVID. My hope is in him, in God alone. That's where my trust is. That's why I can stand firm. That's why I can be unshakable in moments of interruption. Because my hope is in him. The Israelites eventually get to the promised land and realize, yes, this promise God made to us, this land, this better normal is far better than our old. And it was worth having faith. But they could not have gotten there unless at the Red Sea they decided in the face of uncertainty and unprecedented danger, we got to have faith to move forward, not fear to move backwards. We got to keep going. We got to move forward. And today I'm inviting you to see, open your eyes, not to the old normal, but to a better normal. Maybe you're in business. Maybe that better normal for you is the fact that this interruption will bring about an innovation that changes everything for you. That's the better normal. Maybe for your family, this interruption is going to build deep intimacy with one another. Where you learn to cry out to God together. Be honest about your feelings with each other. Maybe you're a student and this interruption is going to really clarify who are your real friends who will stick with you to the good and the bad. Maybe you're a child and this interruption is going to build and cement faith in you, some values that you know you can count on because God came through. And let me tell you, for our church, I believe when we come back and we are in person, hopefully in the early weeks of August, we're not coming back as normal. We're coming back better than normal. We're going to be singing more passionately. We're going to be lifting our hands in gratitude that God has preserved us through the season. We're going to be loving one another, serving one another, supporting, checking in on one another. We're going to value being together. It's not that we have to go to church. We get to go to church. We get to be with one another. And there is a new sense of faith and resolve and excitement about gathering together because we're we're not going back to an old normal. We're coming forward to a better normal. Maybe there's some of you watching today and you're still in Egypt, quote unquote Egypt. And this is a place where sin rules over your heart. You're not free. You want to be free. You realize everything void in your heart and you want to see freedom. Can I tell you that the deliverer is here. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Moses was great, but Jesus is better than even Moses. Jesus is the better normal. He invites you to a new life, a new life of forgiveness, a new life of freedom, a new life where you belong to the family of God, where the old is gone and you are literally a new creation. Today I'm inviting you to follow Jesus' invitation to freedom, to forgiveness. Say yes to following him. Turn away from the old and embrace the better, the freedom that Christ wants to bring you. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that it's worth having faith to move forward. We thank you that you are constantly creating new things. And you're not pushing us to the new, you're pulling us because you're already ahead of us. And you're saying, come where I am. So today we have faith to see that this interruption will lead to a redirection for the better, not for the worse. Not where we lose something that's valuable, but we gain everything that you want us to have. So God, we are 
willing to cut ties with toxic things, with things that we might have been familiar with but have been hurtful, damaging. Maybe perspectives we need to let go of, maybe priorities we need to permanently lay down and embrace the cross of Jesus and follow you forward. So Father, may faith in us rise above the fear in us. May we not look back to Egypt anymore, but only look forward, Christ before us. God, and may we today embrace this opportunity that you're calling us to for families, for kids, for students, for all of us. Help us to understand what the better is. And for our church together, may we enter into the season of exceeding abundant of what we had ever imagined. And maybe for somebody under the sound of my voice that's far from you, may today at their Red Sea they have faith to go forward to believing, fully placing their faith in Jesus, confessing their sin and saying, Jesus, be the Lord, be the Savior of my life. I want a new life. May that be today. We love you so much. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.